What's up, everybody? Welcome to the anime podcast of some sort. I'm David Majors. Some of you might know me as DJM. And my co-host, back from assignment, somewhere in an undisclosed location, your good brother and mine, Count Jack Dalton Alistair Noir Seventh. What's up, Jack? Oh, man, I'm doing so good today. I choose to be happy, and I hope that all of our listeners would also choose to be happy on this fine evening or morning or whenever you're listening, preferably two in the morning when you are impressionable and tired. And if you are impressionable and tired at this time, make sure you subscribe in iTunes, tell your friends to subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and leave a five-star review for the anime podcast of some sort. Uh, Before we jump in, Jack, I want to give a big thanks to Lauren Orsini, the Otaku Journalist at otakujournalist.com for joining me on the last episode. She was absolutely terrific. But Jack, I think everyone already knows by now, it is always my biggest joy to have you back to talk about the Japanese cartoons. So let us jump in. So... Yeah, what's up, Jack? What's going on? Oh, boy. Uh, first of all, I uh, have been kind of getting back into the animes, but there's also something that I know is really important to you and to our good friend Mark that I've finally gotten around to taking a good look-see at, and that is the amazing world of Gumball. And oh. I gotta say, David, I gotta say, David, that is quite the pick-me-up it is really nicely animated really beautifully orchestrated great art direction great multimedia production and the characters are just a lot of fun and i like the uh the non-conventional family uh type without necessarily being so in your face about it as a lot of media can be where it's almost the selling point of a lot of different shows i liked how this was just kind of Family centric, but not really, uh, not really in your face about. Hey, so we've got like adopted kids. We got people raised by their grandparents. We got all this kind of different stuff. Nope, just kind of, it's there, and it was really fun. And I watched a very particular episode, which had a lot of anime influence, including just a fully animated anime style scene. Uh, I, I know that rec- I know recently there was an episode of Gumball. That was uh, animated, I think, by Madhouse. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but I actually think that the Madhouse Studios uh, helped on a scene, uh, a flight scene, in in an episode of The Amazing World of Gumball. It must be that one that I saw, because I remember now it's called The Fury. And it has a, um, it featured a cloud woman in a business suit who was a really interesting design. So I clicked the thumbnail and lo and behold, it was very anime style. That would make a lot of sense because it absolutely was really bizarre and really strange. But it's really cool, David. And I'm really happy to see it. And uh, we have been talking onto Twitters. And I think what we can all agree is that we have a Richard in all of us. And we just have to accept that fact. Well, I don't know about everyone else, but I'm pretty sure I'm Anais. That's pretty much <laughs> where I stand on that. The but, first thing I'd ever seen of Anais was the uh, It's Baby, Anais, and then just the subsequent three and a half minutes of 
karate chopping in utter rage. So, you know, that, that's pretty close to life, David. I'd say that you're pretty much exactly that. I am. I really am. And Jack, let me just say the grin on my face when you mentioned that you are now watching Gumball and you're enjoying it. The grin on my face could have probably been felt through the podcast waves and into everyone's earballs. And I, I want to give everyone else some more earball euphoria by talking about something that was really, 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 really fun. Of course, I'm talking about Yomacon 2016, the big anime convention of the year right here in my hometown of Detroit, Michigan, Jack. Uh, like I said, we've been talking about this and hyping it up uh, for weeks and weeks at a time, and now it has finally come and gone. How do you feel? And I feel liberated. I feel like at this point now, everything on my convention bucket list has been checked. Uh, and as it had been mentioned before, I did cosplay for the very first time ever. Yes. Fantastic. I was broken Matt Hardy from Impact Wrestling and the wrestling fans that were there at Yomacon. Uh, not only did they do the recognizing of my cosplay, but more than the typical walking up and asking for a picture, they, by and large, almost 100% absolutely lost their minds. Uh, in the wrestling business, they would call it, I got a pop for Broken Matt Hardy and the cosplay. And I, I, I really understand now. I really understand how people can share excitement over characters and being so uh, enthralled by a character that you want to celebrate it and give it homage and enjoy the, the fandom that I enjoyed. So, Jack and any cosplay friends of mine out there, I get it now. I really get it. It was a blast. It was fun. I unfortunately did not to get to try my rave outfit. Uh, oh. I managed to wrangle myself a pretty cool cyberpunk black button-down leather and uh, wool button-down shirt with what I believe to be the pièce de résistance. Uh, I had a necktie that was a green LED necktie to where when you Ooh. turned it on, the the outside line was a green LED with the knot as well. So the next convention I go to, I will be trying this. That is that is, sounds like a lot of fun. It's funny that you mentioned that a lot of people get really vocal and really hype and excited about um, about wrestling characters because, uh, and this is a little bit before we were doing APOS, there was a year where uh, I want to say it was 2014 that I did Fanime. And this was, well, actually, we're going to be talking about this in a little bit. We're going to talk about Skullgirls probably. So um, I cosplayed the requisite wrestler character from the roster of Skullgirls, Beowulf. And uh, it might have been just because that was fresh in people's minds as well, but uh, the, the response was very similar, very hype. A lot of not just 
hey, can we take your picture? But a lot of getting up in the face, at, yeah, everything I say is a catchphrase. Everybody got just, well, they lost their shit. What can I say? So I'm almost wondering if maybe there's just a, uh, a mentality that comes with being a fan of wrestlers or wrestler type characters that just seems to really resonate with people. Oh, I think that's absolutely the case, uh, especially with the fact that Broken Matt Hardy is such a hotly discussed character at the moment. It's such a a popular thing. It's almost mimetic, uh, dare I use the TV tropes term, but I really captured the moment, and I'm really happy about it. And uh, Jack, there's something else that... I won't go so far as to say I'm happy about, but I'm certainly not freaking out and having nerd rage over. Uh, do, do you know what I mean? I do think I know what you mean. Do, do you say All that right. you would, would you believe that you stand alone on this topic? Believe it or not, given what I've seen across the, the Twitters, I am not. Uh, I I am not. I might be a part of an individual 11, uh, Jack. Well, don't get a complex about it. (laughs) Uh, Of course, guys, I am talking about the new trailers for the upcoming Ghost in the Shell live-action movie starring Scarlett Johansson. Uh, A couple of days ago, uh, even before the main two-minute trailer, there was a little teaser uh, that actually had the man himself, Mamoru Oshii, uh, director of the two Ghost in the Shell movies, uh, Ghost in the Shell and Innocence, uh, saying some very complimentary things about the production, and even saying Scarlett Johansson, in her role as Major Motoko Kusanagi, uh, now being called the Major, uh, has gone, quote, above and beyond expectations. And then the first full-length trailer premiered in Tokyo just a few days ago. And Jack, help me out here. I'm not feeling any nerd rage. I'm feeling no nerd rage whatsoever. Now, I don't know if you, you caught this trailer or not, but there were some visual effects and some moments that were very reminiscent of the first Ghost in the Shell movie, as well as the Ghost in the Shell manga. So I was really, really, really surprised at how accurate the visual effects and the background looked. The action so far had a few of these signature moments from the Ghost in the Shell franchise, like the Major diving off a building without her, her clothes on, because, I don't know, diving. Uh, also, the <laughs> the uh, invisible camouflage, uh, certain moments uh, in Standalone Complex, as well as the first movie had that kind of thing. And Jack... I know me being a big Ghost in the Shell fan and me being a nerd on the internet, I'm supposed to be so mad and so angry about how dare they do this to this thing that I hold so dear. But I can't because it actually looks like it might not suck, Jack. 
I think that's great news, honestly. And the fact that I know you and I know what you love, you love this crazy, real thought-provoking, esoteric uh, science fiction crap, which is great. And I think that the fact that you can say, you know what, I'm excited and I'm getting my expectations up, I think that that speaks volumes. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while and I think it just, just a short thesis about this is that David we need to be less vocal about what we dislike I see all this stuff about oh here's the here's a reaction of uh, of what I see in this trailer for so and so or that and that and it all ends up really negative people are playing video games to exclusively yell at them that kind of stuff game grumps building their whole franchise on YouTube being grumpy at games, typically bad ones. And people and are this, throwing this was out. Of course, yep. bo- this was, of course, born from James Rolfe, a.k.a. the angry, angry video. video nerd. Yes. Yep. And, 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 you know, people just continue to build on that of these top tens of overrated this or overrated that. And it all kind of stems from this nerd culture and having more people be angry about that, uh, Nostalgia Critic is somehow massively, massively popular despite being, you know, pretty much almost 90%, I'd say, of his stuff that he's doing is negative. Uh, But here's what I think, David. If we avoid doing that and talk more about stuff that is maybe not overrated, but that is perhaps even underrated or stuff that is coming back into consciousness, I mean... uh, I am completely unclear, but I'm going to count on you. Uh, when is the last Ghost in the Shell uh, media? Is that, that it? Couldn't have been very, very uh, recent. Uh, the what most recent one was the four episode OVA Arise, which came out uh, from 2013 to 2014. So not terribly long ago in the grand scheme of things. Okay. Okay. Uh, even so, I'd say that it's really good to keep having resurgence of stuff that, you know, is good and that will keep people coming through. Uh, you know, even though I feel personally oversaturated about, you know, these constant barrage of Marvel movies and all that, it's still a good thing to have good stuff, good content coming out for the people who are going to enjoy it. And I feel like, David, I've been making a pact since I realized that so many people were just oversaturating our media, our social media and every media with just this, this is overrated. This is awful. This is bad. And just kind of going, you know what? I'm just going to talk about the stuff that doesn't get talked about. And I will talk about it a lot because that's how I talk about things. And I never stop. And that's Jack, what I decided. Yes. I remember many, many moons ago that I spoke to a gentleman by the name of Sean Russell And I said to him that I did not want to do a podcast where people whined and complained and bitched about everything. And I knew that there was one person at the A3K network that would understand that. And that person was Jack. And I knew from very early on that that if I was going to do an anime podcast that Jack was going to be my co-host because we were going to talk about things we liked 
We were going to talk about things we highlight, we wanted to highlight. And yeah, occasionally there might be some things that we think might not be so great, but overall, it would just be things that are awesome and that are cool, whether it's anime, video games, or just nerd culture in general. So, Jack, once again, from day one, I knew I made the right choice, and I am completely on the same page with you. So, Mazel Tov, Ghost in the Shell. Let's hope it's good. I'm going to look forward to that whenever it is a uh, home release or available for uh, paid streaming service, because I will, I will want to support that. Well, guaranteed I'll be seeing it in the theater when it comes out, because, well, it's everyone's expecting my hot take. But uh, you've, got a hot, you've got a hot take on something yourself, don't you, Jackson? Oh, yes. I have got a hashtag hot take. Uh, we talked about this when we talked about the uh, upcoming anime season, and I took a little look-see at the crunchy rolls. And, uh, David, once again, I like to keep things lighthearted. And you know this, so I tend to lean towards what's good in anime comedy right now. But I also have another love, and that is anything that has to do with uh, police or jails or criminals, anything in that kind of basic legal judiciary situation. If people are going to be playing cops and robbers, I'm going to be taking a look at it. That's why I love Sam and Max Freelance Police so much and haven't shut up about it in months let me throw one at you. Let me <laughs> yes. throw uh, an anime franchise at you. Uh, also uh, involved by Mamoru Oshii of Ghost in the Shell fame. Uh, there's been a TV series, a few movies. Uh, I think an actual remake of of the TV series. Uh, are you familiar with Pat Labor? Or Pat Labor, whatever. Uh, I am not. That actually sounds completely unfamiliar to me usually i can kind of keep an eye on the really esoteric titles of animu but uh that is completely it has completely not entered my radar at all so i will be taking a look at that how do you spell that for our listeners uh, at home and for me p-a-t-l-a-b-o-r so it is pat labor got it yes all right that is one since you enjoy uh cops and whatnot uh, that is one that I think you'll you might enjoy. There's a little bit of mech to it, and uh, the movies are in different tone than the actual TV series because uh, those are done by Mamoru Oshii, but they're still very very good. Uh, but yeah, I-, I would love to know what you think of Pat Labor. Oh, you know what? This uh, artwork looks like um, kind of like the classic uh, clamp era. And I know that can be kind of a, of a bad buzzword for some people, but um, there was a kind of a mech slash police uh, Sentai story called Duke Leon clamp school defenders. Uh, And that was very gag oriented. A lot of things didn't get solved in a serious manner and uh, many things weren't, which I also tend to enjoy and what I'll get into the, with the series I wanted to talk about. But, uh, Mechs were very similar in design, so uh, if you don't mind things not getting done in a conventional manner, David, then I would say check that out. Clamp School Defenders. Don't ask me to spell that first word, Stukleon, because that is not up my alley. And it is a really quick manga read. I believe there might have been an anime adaptation, because what wasn't adapted when it came to Clamp, but uh, 
it's only two volumes long when it comes to the manga. So quick read. You could get it done in an afternoon. Now, as for more zippy, the doodah, really bizarre, uh, super jail type antics. I really honestly feel like this anime series is kind of like the Japanese answer to super jail. It is called non Baka. And just by that name and by my weeb grip of Japanese, I'd say that it pretty much speaks for itself on how serious it's going to take itself. That's N A N B A K A. So Baka. And you're following the adventures of four inmates uh, they usually go by their numbers, so they're number 15, number 61, but they have code names or nicknames no, that they go p- by. No, please, this is starting prison. to sound like prison school, Jack. Please, no. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I promise. I promise. Okay. All right. Uh, first of all, they're all dudes, <laughs> so that's good news. Uh, and they, uh, I believe that they're all in for pretty idiosyncratic things. One's in for compulsive gambling and he continues to escape because he wants to find a date. One gets into a lot of prison riots, starts a lot of fights, things like that, but he can be appeased by his food. And one's just a straight up otaku. One's just a straight up nerd from America, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. And then there's what I would assume is the protagonist who is just this massive escape artist. And uh, I did also check out the manga, which is also available to take a look at for free on Crunchyroll. And it's mostly a gag-oriented, not really four-panel, which I appreciated. Because I I do like four-panel, but this, uh, I felt, with the different style of artwork and the colors and everything, kind of needed more panels and more variants than just a four-panel. And uh, it's just this wacky, zany adventures of all these guys trying to break out of prison, and then the warden, and all of the... All of the uh, <clears throat> all of the uh, prison wardens just all trying to grab everybody, bringing them back in. And there are some serious tones to it because it is touted to be the most elite prison where people are not allowed to escape. Warden's pretty scary. She's this really imposing Ohime-sama type, very, very demeaning, very... Uh, trash talking to everybody but everybody's got like that kind of little quirk that you'd expect of a gag manga or gag anime for instance the warden uh brings in one of her uh top employees and asks him about these four uh prisoners that we highlight on and he just brings them in just they're absolutely awful and detestable and i'm never gonna let them escape and she's just yes good everything's in really high contrast shadow and then he leaves and she's just oh gosh i talked to him oh man kohai noticed me i'll have to bring him in again to talk to him once more really really bizarre unexpected gags and i love that kind of stuff i eat it up and the funny thing is this seems to be gathering the same amount of traction merchandise and audience-wise as a previous comedy favorite of mine, Osomatsu-san. So Ah. that's interesting. That is very interesting to me. But but I like this. It's really colorful. It's really bright. The manga has a a little something, David, I think you might enjoy is uh, a lot of the little uh, page filler illustrations and things like that have kind of a different super deformed art style to them that is reminiscent, but definitely a marked improvement on the panty and stocking art style, which I remember you saying was one of the one things when it was done right in the scenes 
was something you enjoyed. So this is that done right. This also sounds like what prison school could have been if it weren't garbage. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm intrigued. This actually does sound okay. This was one of the shows from the fall season that actually did look pretty decent. Uh, I don't know whether it was just the Crunchyroll preview special that they did, but th- this was the one show from the fall season that I looked at and didn't say, well, no, it's in season this fall. This, this <laughs> might have been... The, the one exception between the three of us when that happened. Uh, but on the topic of incarceration, Jack. Oh, yes. Uh, somebody has not been supporting the official release. Money? He, I know. Uh, and he got busted for it. Uh, coming mm-hmm. to us an actual news story from Crunchyroll. Uh, Japanese Society for Rights of Authors, Composers, and Publishers announced uh, last week that a a 51-year-old man from Kumiyaga City in Saitama was arrested on suspicion of copyright infringement on November 8th, and his the lawsuit had already went through on in October. According to police, the suspect had been f- using file-sharing software called Share to download about three terabytes worth of anime music and videos and made them available to the public without permission from the copyright for over 10 years. So, this guy got busted. Now, back in the day, Jack, you probably know, and our listeners probably know, back in the day... Sharing music, finding music, it wasn't as easy as it is now. Um, There was a kind of adventurous feel to it. There was a community feel to it, especially when it came to anime music and Japanese music and J-pop and K-pop. There was that cultural barrier that made it a little bit harder and a little more exciting to find. Couple this on top of the fact that in Asia, they're not as stringent on the whole copyright infringement thing as we are here in the West. So when I saw this story and saw that they actually measured the total financial damage caused uh, by copyright uh, infringement in one year in Japan was estimated to be around $290 billion yen holy mother of god that is 2.7 billion u.s dollars jesus roll around in that that's a lot of yen you would drown you would drown yes. you try try and dive in like uncle scrooge and you would mm. never come out you would never come out that is unbelievable I'm also um, seeing there's a lot of related video, uh, not videos, a lot of related news links that are just this guy's busted for downloading this anime and this guy's busted for uploading this one. And th- they're cracking down. Unre- unleash the Kraken. And I got to say, nowadays, and that it is almost the year 2017, you could maybe, maybe maybe make the case that here in the western world 
Japanese music is a little harder to access, maybe you could possibly make the case for that. But whether it's movies, anime, things that are in a visual medium, no, not anymore. Really, not anymore. You can find it on YouTube in two minutes. I continue to amaze my mother uh, with uh, regaling her with links to her childhood favorites. Just, oh, hey, mom, look, it's Mighty Mouse. Look at that. It's there. It's on YouTube for you to find. The whole thing is on wetotallydidn'tpiratethis.com. Here you go. It's totally easy, and I think we take it for granted. And then stuff like this happens, and we all go, oh, I better not pirate. Or people will, you know, they'll be very... uh, adamant of oh i'm not gonna pirate anymore and then the next thing you know you're stealing somebody's netflix for use or your own it's tough it it is tough it is tough because uh, again not everyone can afford all of these services all of the time and Mm -hmm. again i will even make the case for music uh my friends pd and kaz they host a show called Juku, where they cover East Asian pop culture, uh, music, uh, dramas, uh, and all of those things from Korea, Japan, Taiwan, what have you. And I-, I can say that just because of record label reasons and all of that, yes, the music can be especially difficult. One of my favorite anime songs of all time is from the the pariah of the Gundam franchise, Gundam Sea Destiny. Uh, but it does have a fantastic soundtrack. Uh, and there is a song called Believe by Nami Tamaki. You cannot get that song on YouTube, at least in the United States. You can't. Uh, and credit to that record company for actually cracking down on that. And yes... It is hard to find. I'll say music. However, if it's something that you really want, there's nothing wrong with, like, 99 cents. I mean, you might spend another 60 seconds on Google. It's not going to kill you. That That's mm-hmm. just how I feel. And I am from the Kazaa slash WinMX generation, where... Downloading the soundtrack to Gundam Wing took maybe overnight to do. So there was a sense of accomplishment with that. But nowadays, it's really not nearly as difficult as it used to be. With so many people having high-speed internet and the internet being so much bigger than it was even five years ago. Nowadays... You, I might be able to make a case for music, but it's a flimsy one. I think we always say on the anime podcast of some sort, Jack, please support the official release. Yes. Nowadays, it's really not that hard. And especially when it comes to stuff overseas, uh, it's which is harder to find. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you really don't have that much excuse to not support them. Please support them, especially when you have people like uh, recently a uh, a favorite artist of mine, Brendan Urie, uh, lead singer, and basically everything from Panic at the Disco at this point uh, 
publicly replied to somebody on Twitter who said, geez, you know, I had, I have like 62 cents worth of credit in my iTunes and I am just flat broke. I need all that money for food. What can I do? I just, this is the worst torture. I just want to buy one song of yours. And he replies, I'm already successful. I'm rolling in money. Just download it off of YouTube. When American artists, this is not the first time I've seen this. This is just the most recent example. When American artists or artists that uh, it's more accessible to find their stuff are telling you, no, this is fine. Go ahead. Uh, v- uh, laissez-faire, all that business. Then why not just, if it's just going to be so much trouble to try and find something from Japan, why not just, okay, where can I buy it? There can I buy it? There it is bought. It's easy. Everybody else is making it so, so easy for you to uh, support artists across in Japan or Korea or Taiwan. So it, it really, it's really worth it. Because then there's going to be less of an embargo, potentially. That'd be really frustrating. Just, nope, we're and, not going to do and this I think, I think with the music industry, especially on that side of the world, there is an embargo. Because, like I said, I remember how hard it was to get anime back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not hard now. In the case of music from anime soundtracks and video game soundtracks to a degree, it's still not totally easy-peasy. So it's, it's a gray area, but I think that if it's something that you really desire especially with the internet we don't have to have everything on physical copies anymore if it's something that you really want yeah and guaranteed japan yeah that artist over there is going to be extremely grateful knowing that they have an audience in the western world that will support them they find that out if you tweet at them hey i bought your album and if you can use the right characters for their language or if they speak English uh, and there's some level of communication, when they see that they have appreciation for their work in the Western world, not only does it help them f- uh, financially uh, in terms of compensation, they love knowing that they have that audience out there that's willing to do that for them. So that's what keeps them going. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, uh, we had just talked about this last time I was on the podcast, David, but um, recently, over the last month, I had a package come in from CE Japan, and it was the the soundtrack to A Witch's Tale, which we had recently spoken about, because it was very difficult for me to find uh, one particular song that I wanted. I just wanted one song at, at one point. Uh, and that was something I ripped off of YouTube and all that. But I knew, I knew when I was in stable income, I wanted to uh, buy the really nice CD, beautiful jewel case, all that good stuff. Ledger notes are really nice. I wish I could read Japanese. And uh, that came in and it was worth it. It's beautiful, crisp quality. Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing, nothing better than hearing a song that you've listened to from crappy torrented seated quality or on YouTube on loop and then popping in a CD in your car on your way 
to a fun weekend and listening to it pretty much feels like you've listened to it for the first time ever. It is a beautiful feeling. It is so worth it. Amen, Jack. Amen. Uh, next story, uh, not quite related to police or, or cops or the law in any way, uh, except for one guy who always talks about how he hates anime and he's leaving anime and he's going to retire. And then he comes back again. And as of course, we're close. Pre- pre- same age group, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, of Hayao Miyazaki is coming back one more time to make another wrestling comparison. It is not unlike the legendary Terry Funk. If you, if you remember Jack Miyazaki announced his retirement a few years ago, uh, yes. and now he is creating something else. Uh, he's coming back. Uh, the story coming from Yahoo News. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki looks to make one final anime feature. It would be his first and last using CG. And on a Sunday evening program in Japan, kind of like the 60 Minutes, uh, it was a interview called, uh, roughly translated, Hayao Miyazaki, the man who isn't finished. <laughs> so uh, Miyazaki said that he is, quote, ready to die while working on this film. He has typically spent up to five years on productions, though the use of CG could really speed that up. Uh, he, the director announced his retirement at the end of 2003, insisting that he was done and finally over and retired, even though coming back over and over and over and over and over and over. This continues and to now, happen. <laughs> yeah. It's like the third time he said it. He's like, this is where it ties into cops is he's that old cop who's grizzled and says I, he's two weeks from retirement every week, every year. <laughs> he's he's Michael Corleone in the Godfather three. <laughs> just just when he thought he was out, he gets pulled right back in. And he's going to do another movie for Studio Ghibli, and it's going to be pretty good, probably, if a little slow at times, and everyone's going to herald it, and it's probably going to win an Oscar, and then he's going to say how much he hates anime again, and the cycle will go on, 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 on. Is, is this, this must be his purgatory. This is him. He'll just continue to be making you know, slightly above average films and being like, yeah, I hate this. I'm not. And it's going to be like a Groundhog Day scenario where until he's grateful for his talent and what he's doing, he's just going to continue to suffer until, (laughs) until uh, indefinitely. I'm curious. I, I, I expect Miyazaki's tombstone will have on the inscription, I wasted my life and I wasted all of your time. I expect that's what his tombstone will say because he's so not into what he creates and he's so not into the world that he is a part of. He's clearly just doing this to 
kill time until the Grim Reaper finally takes him. He's ready to die. We should we should have uh we should have that song come in. Better get ready to die for a bumper or whatever. I will remember you. <laughs> I like how it says here that he uh he did a CG short and he wasn't happy with it, so he decided he was going to make the entire thing into a full blown move. Dude, if something doesn't work in a medium that you hated and continued to uh Lambaste. I would say no. I would say stick with what you know. Although I do know why they're going with CG is because he's not happy investing so much money and so much of his own effort because he won't let anybody else animate and block and storyboard all of his scenes. Uh, and that is really, really, really expensive hand drawn. So he's like, I can crap out a CG film. That's what he's saying. Even though he continued to say, it's the it's the devil, it's the end of nature, it doesn't make us something true or worthy. He's this is and, absolutely and we all a waste wa- we all time. wonder and we all wonder where this indignant nerd culture comes from, Jack. We all wonder where it comes from. It's Miyazaki, clearly. The first angry nerd. I think so. I think he might be Either him or Tomino, who, who's maybe a couple of years younger, just of that same age group, just, just He's certainly angry. an angry hippie. He's yeah. certainly angry and hippie-like. Just very much, ugh, geez, you put a bicycle in the river, done with that. Let me have two hours worth of that in a film. <laughs> I will say, I, like, I will say it. <laughs> huh? I liked The Wind Rises, I'll say that much. Oh, was that was that the one I was meant? I was uh, referencing Spirited Away, but um, oh, I didn't really God, like no, that one. No. I liked How's Moving no. Castle, but only because I really, really like the book and I love Diana Wynne Jones. The colors and everything really appealed to me, but I never really liked a whole lot that he's done. Truthfully, yeah, I, I'm Looks good on, a on the same page. I'm on the same page. Everything he does is very pretty, very pretty. But in terms of an overall package of content, for me, he's few and far between. Few and far between. Yeah. And I will give him credit for The Wind Rises. That one I did genuinely enjoy a lot. So maybe this will come out and it will be okay. So. And then Miyazaki can go back to complaining. I wish him and Yoshiyuki Tomino who seems to be in pretty good spirits these days, surprisingly enough. Maybe him and Tomino can just make a podcast. (laughs) I would pay money for somebody to go in and translate all of that, get ledger notes. I would pay for this podcast of just, oh, I hate it so much. Every day I feel like I'm getting older. That is because you are. Boy, that sucks. Be so good. I and it, it would be thirty minutes of that before even getting to anime or the damn mm-hmm. kids and their iPads. Kusotaro. Like I'll I'll so- never forget where Miyazaki uh, compared people using tablets to masturbation, and that that was just <laughs> wow. 
he is one grumpy old man. I mean, Tomino has an excuse because he was actually very depressed uh, with some of his things. Uh, but yeah, Miyazaki's just grumpy. He's just, he's critically he's acclaimed. Just, he's ungrateful. Do we do we give him the Nobel Peace Prize then, or or Nobel Prize for Literature? Oh boy, boy. Oh yeah, boy. I said it. What, what do we do? Yeah, I said it. Oh boy. Don't don't get me started on Bob Dylan. Don't even get me started. Uh, nah, I I'm of the same. I'm of the same. I feel. I feel your pain, honestly. All right. Well, well, let let's just let's go on to something else. Let, let's talk about. Uh, I believe you have news for the Council of Twelve, Jackson. I do, and also for people who are human and have a PS3, PS4, PS4. Sorry. Ah, okay. <laughs> I keep forgetting what generation we're in, and then I forget that we're upcoming on a new generation of xbox one peripherals and the nintendo switch so i'm completely in the dark here i'm still in that kind of like there's the ps4 pro but not really yeah like they're like peripheral they're like extending these racing consoles because i feel like we're kind of reaching the event horizon of console stuff but regardless for the 12 people who own a ps vita the council of 12 i personally address you and also normal people who own a ps4 also, you probably make more money than me, and I don't like that. But anyway, uh, financial unrest aside, uh, I I got to make a confession, David. I feel like I've said this over Twitter, but nobody cares about my Twitter, so I will say this here, where people can hear me. Uh, I enjoy Skullgirls. I feel like I've maybe danced around the issue, where I've maybe said... Uh, it's okay, I play it, whatever, but uh, I decided that uh, I don't really mind uh, any kind of backlash of this admittedly not terribly beautiful game. I do not like the art style, but I think that the animators have done well enough with what they had to work with. I will say, the game is fun, the game is interesting to play, and I'm good at it, so I enjoy it. I have it on various consoles. It is coming on physical release. Skullgirls Second Encore with all that good business, the DLC, which make it basically your average fleshed out first co-around fighting game. There's 14 playable characters, huge range of animations, uh, soundtrack and everything included with this. uh, On PS4 or on PS Vita, physical release. And uh, they're available for pre-order. That could be over by the time that uh, this podcast is published, but I would continue to keep an eye out if that is something that you're interested in. You can buy both PlayStation versions together for a reduced price, and it comes with a bunch of little extras, some goodies, a little booklet, and the aforementioned soundtrack. And... There is an interesting patch, which I know for some people who maybe were really ambivalent about the whole Blaze Blue thing will be super happy to hear about. Uh, the all-star Japanese voice cast, as provided by Arc System Works in the Japanese release of Skullgirls, will be patched in for free with the release and send of these physical copies. And uh, the Japanese voices, I 
don't know any of them by name, but they are presumably they were a lot of A-listers, a lot of people who were actually from games like Street Fighter and Blaze Blue. And David, I think the most important thing to take away from this news story isn't just that this is a fun, cool game that's getting a physical release that I think it damn well deserved. David, this is an independent title from America that not only got a Japanese release and the five-star treatment from Arc System Works, which, I mean, they're not really batting 100 right now, but they were doing all right. This is an independently created game from America coming full circle and getting a physical copy release. What do you think? It's almost as if games like this can get the attention of large video game companies and fans out there might actually like them and it's a good idea to put them out. Mm-hmm. Capcom. <clears throat> everybody everybody glares over in the direction of Capcom. Ahem. Capcom. But this is pretty great. Uh, I, for one really appreciated Skullgirls. I, I played it for the first time in a long time last Friday uh, at the nice. anime club that I go to uh, at the comic shop not too far from here. Uh, and I remember that it was pretty fun. I dug it. And this is a really good deal. Uh, it's the, the entire full package uh, for $35 uh, for either PS4 or the Vita. Or you can get all dual port ability and whatnot and get both for 75 American, which is really not that bad at all. Uh, this is this is impressive, I gotta say. Um, I never had an issue with Skull, Skull Girls. I never saw too many people that really had an issue with Skull Girls, Jack. Uh, did it have a huge audience like, Tekken or Street Fighter, not really. But I never saw any outright hate for it. Uh, I I know a few people. I won't name them. But uh, there were some people who were outright against the artwork. And I was kind of buying into that group thinking, going, yeah, you know what? It doesn't, the the artwork for the story modes and all that stuff, not my favorite. And But, you know, I played the game. I sat down and played it. I didn't care that it, was mechanically similar to Marvel 2 because I don't really play too much Marvel 2 anymore because I've gotten past having to get my entertainment at the local arcade where that's the only fighting game machine aside from Rumble Roses for some reason. Oh, Jack, when I saw Doctor Strange last week, uh, the theater near me had Tekken 5, so I lost it. It was just, it was on. It was so on. But yeah, that that was a unicorn for sure. Uh, and you were not wrong about Marvel too. Mm-hmm. I, I really I, I I didn't care mechanically how it was. I feel like there's a lot of things that actually make this game uh, vastly different from a lot of different fighting games. It's got a lot of stuff that I appreciate from fighting games. I appreciate the. Uh, Ability to air dash, which is why I like a lot of games like Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear, because that added maneuverability uh, really adds a lot to me for certain games. 
And uh, when I got past how jarring that uh, a lot of the designs were initially for me, and I saw that the animators had really come in and used these uh, very vague sketches from the original artist, Alex Ahad, uh, they did a really good job smoothing them out and really solidifying a lot of people, uh, a lot of the characters, very pretty vague interpretation of their uh, abilities. Are you familiar with the character I'm thinking most of is uh, Eliza, who is one of my favorite characters to play. David? Um, Eliza. Which one is Eliza? I am Googling furiously. She is the uh, kind of the Pharaoh style character. Uh, ah, fights with okay. her blood like Jetta, and that's another okay. thing. This game, this game feels like an updated Dark Stalkers to me, which I yes, love. yes, I love yes. Dark Stalkers. This game also features just a lot of loving detail. There's a lot of really good stuff in the UI and a lot of ways to navigate through the menu, which are great. Button mapping. I believe this was the first game where you can actually press the button and it will move you along to the next button to where you can just in order, type in uh, your light, medium, heavy punch, light, medium, heavy kick, and then your uh, assist button one, assist button two, and any extra little goodies that you might want. Like, this game is made by the fighter community for the fighter community. And a lot of the tournaments I've seen and the ones that I have participated in are so much fun. They are so much fun. They are the best. You get a group of small, really excited people who are super hyped for a bunch of weird people in weird clothes doing weird things to each other. And, you know, it might surprise people who might be looking at the artwork right now or are familiar with the artwork for Skullgirls, but a lot of them are not really a bunch of lecherous douches. We're all just kind of like, hey, we're, we're doing the Skullgirls. That's what we're doing. It's it's Skull a lot. Skullgirls, cool. Skullgirls, Scraggus, yeah, skull as girl. I like to call it. <laughs> when I get <laughs> so, I've been showing up in Vallejo recently for a lot of the uh, kind of like biweekly stuff that they do, and it's really dominated by Super Smash Brothers right now. But every once in a while, I'll come in and somebody's got their PS4 on them, and I just kind of grab my Vita, which you can use as a controller, which is really nice, and just be like Scraggus. It's absolutely nothing like the word itself, but it just, it gets everybody, huh? Huh? It's like Pavlov's dog. It's so funny. So, it has a community. It does. It's small, but I feel like this is probably going to make it have a resurgence, and boy, I'd love to see this back at Evo, because that was a lot of fun, seeing stuff from Evo 2015. Yeah, it was in 2015, so yeah. I know that there was a side tournament for Skullgirls, I think, at least for 2016, I think. Don't quote me yeah. on that. So there's definitely tournament. there's definitely a following. And again, I, I always thought Skullgirls was alright. I I, yep. I I never got the hate for it, as little as it was. So here's mm-hmm. hoping that this this helps out. Let let's let's see it grow. Good for Skullgirls. Yes. Uh and yeah, more good things. We've been talking about a lot of good things, Jack. Uh that feels pretty good, wouldn't you say? Uh we've we've been having a lot of optimism on this episode. I think so too. It, it it's important to be positive. And uh David, 
with your permission, I'd like to have a quick little fireside chat with our A posse. As I love In to that call case, it. I yield the remainder of the time to the gentleman from California. Jack, the floor is yours. Thank you, David. David, A posse, ladies and gentlemen of the jury and all that good stuff. There's something that I feel kind of falls by the wayside when we talk about nerdy stuff, when we talk about this culture, when we shout indistinctly in either a positive or a negative fashion. And that's just how weird and strange and wonderful that the medium of anime is. So I'd like to just briefly tell you about what I think makes it so special. And this is a lot of generalization, but I think that I will have plenty of you on board with this. A lot of anime continues to capture the imagination of subsequent generations and will continue to do so for years and years to come because it always includes a smash hit with coming of age and questioning authority, themes of family and friendship and love. And a lot of times, it can be overshadowed by the fact that maybe it's not so much love, but something that maybe exists below the pit of your stomach. But it's there. And there's a purity to that. And there's also a strangeness and wonder that we don't necessarily see in a lot of media outside of that. A lot of movies that have romantic plots won't get into some strange and sprawling adventure where you're trying to destroy something that wants to end existence. There's not a lot of that. When you have stories about friendship, it never occurs to the average American television producer to come up with something that's basically going to encompass the embodiment of that feeling of friendship and use it as a physical power. And I feel like there's also a group of nerds like myself who love things that are produced by Robert Zemeckis, John Waters, that kind of stuff. And those cheesy 80s films, Back to the Future, Home Alone, that kind of stuff. John Hughes, excuse me. Well, John Waters, too, I suppose. If you like Hairspray. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Uh, These kinds of movies that stick with us share a lot with a lot of the more heartfelt entries in anime and I feel like that's what gives it such a lasting appeal and will continue to bring people in from previous generations and not just the new ones that are coming in at a steady rate and I think that that is something to keep in mind is that anime is always going to be strange and wonderful and have a lot that captures our attention from across the seas and also it's just plain cool Even if it doesn't have any of that stuff, even if you're looking at the bleakest situation like Helsing, it's just plain awesome. So I think for David and for myself and for all our listeners, I just say thanks a lot, Japan, because even though a lot of times you're kind of batting a little less than average, you bring in some really good stuff. And you're going to continue to pump out new things. For every Pokemon and Attack on Titan, there's going to be a new one coming in every five to ten years. And, you know, I won't mind connecting with those damn kids in 15 years or in 30 years. I will openly welcome them because I think if we can continue to expand this little niche of nerd culture, 
well, maybe it won't be a niche anymore after a certain time. Thanks a lot. First of all, Jack, let me just say that that was absolutely exemplary, exemplary, and I agree with you 100%. Speaking for myself, uh, in some other communities that I go through and uh, have friends and uh, cohorts in, uh, I have always kind of noticed the divide between appreciation of nerdy culture uh, from Japan uh, in comparison to nerdy culture from the Western world, be it Marvel or DC or Doctor Who. Uh, me, uh, in some fan communities, I am known as the guy that really likes anime a lot. Uh, and when I've gone to conventions that are not necessarily anime-centric, I always gravitate towards the little pocket that is there for anime. Because to a lot of nerd culture, there needs to be kind of that evangelist for the anime scope. Because you and I both know, and people listening to this podcast know, that anime is more than just one thing. Uh, It is so many more things. Uh, Nowadays, you'll see a blockbuster film like Pacific Rim that not just the diehard anime fans or the diehard fans of giant robots will go to see, but it will be a giant summer blockbuster flick that people will go to see. And then they will realize, hey, this is kind of like one of those really cool giant robot anime shows. That's kind of what this is like. And then it will click to them like, oh yeah, anime. This is something that is so unbelievably creative and so removed from the Western world's creative norms that even now a lot of people on this side of the world still are only just scratching the surface it is amazing to watch Uh, for example we've talked about various live action or western adaptations of anime properties The Ghost in the Shell movie in particular with Scarlett Johansson an Academy Award winning actress and a star in arguably the biggest movie franchise in the world right now, The Avengers. She's doing a movie based on an anime adaptation, and more than just anime fans being excited, and some being a little worried, and granted, lots of people are really, really intrigued by this, because... People know that what spawned the Matrix, what spawned the great sci-fi series Almost Human, what spawned so much of cyberpunk and cyber-goth pop culture and all of these things all came from this idea that was Ghost in the Shell. So... People are intrigued by this because they know that this anime and plenty of other anime out there are special 
and something to cultivate from. And I am really enjoying uh, being now someone who is kind of of the old school generation now at this point. I am so happy to see that cultural divide start to blur and gray and seeing more and more of a wide appreciation of Japan's weird, incredible creativity. And for every indistinguishable romantic comedy teenage high school anime there is out there, there's always going to be one, something out there, that's really going to captivate people's attention. There's always going to be an erased. There's always going to be a death parade. There's always going to be a one-punch man. There's always going to be an attack on Titan somewhere. Amongst, amongst all of it, there is always going to be some kind of anime there that is going to capture a lot of people's attention, and that is outstanding. So, I'm hoping that this continues, and I'm hoping that this podcast has plenty of things to talk about in the future. Absolutely. You know, besides uh, Attack on Titan's 15th miniseries before Season 2... <laughs> 2035 i'm calling it jack if you had to take an over under what will happen first the battle angel alita movie or attack on titan season two? Oh, absolutely battle angel alita that's gonna happen that, like that that actually feels like a thing that uh, is going to appear soon, but <laughs> or at least sooner rather than later. But Attack on Titan Season 2, well, let me put it this way. It damn well better not happen because I'll need to continue to have something to keep making jokes about. I will love keep, that. And you can keep hearing Jack make those jokes right here on the anime podcast of some sort. Thank you guys so much for listening, and hey... If you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you give us the old five-star review in the old iTunes. Uh, check us out in Stitcher Radio and wherever podcasts can be aggregated. If you can't search for anime podcasts of some sort by its name, try my name, David Majors. Jack, it's been a minute. Wait. What have you got going on? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm kind of taking a little bit of... Uh of a maybe not a hiatus from twitter but i am not going to be posting as frequently uh for a while but i am cooking up some stuff and it will eventually get there so if you do want to drop me a line i do respond to uh friendly questions or any kind of comments or whatever you want to talk about how much you like gumball or skull girls or anything else you can find me at jack d tyler d i always like to hear if anybody's taking a look at anything that I've recommended over the episodes. So if that is something that you check out, I'd love to hear about it. You can also find me on Tumblr, which is where I most frequently dump things uh, of the artistic and the handwritten nature. And again, there's a and lot of you guys stuff also, I just want to say Jack had some fantastic photos of a cosplay of Ash from evil dead. 
Oh yeah, that showed up recently. Uh, I will actually repost that uh, before the week is out because I just I was so proud of it. Photographer was fantastic, and David, that brings me to a grand total of fifty uh, percent. I am at fifty percent of the characters featured in Telltale Poker Night at the Inventory Two that I have cosplayed so <laughs> i just need to uh become massive and blonde and then i can do brock sampson and we'll see about those cybernetic implants to cosplay claptrap and then i will have become every single one of those characters physically so we'll see how that goes but you can find and those photos. where yes where can we find them you can find those photos, other cosplay photos, art, writing, bunch of really cool stuff in the future at Tumblr at Dr. Junkenstein, I presume. I have retired Mechanical Symphonies, and uh, just my luck, somebody else has snatched it up. So, Dr. Junkenstein, I presume. And there are hyphens in between each word, and you spell Junkenstein, J-U-N-K-E-N-S-T. E-I-N. Dr. Junkenstein, I presume. Thank you so much. Out oh, and I also have a Patreon. Uh, you do have a Patreon. Patreon is kind of going through some things. I am talking to some artists I know who have had successful Patreon campaigns, so I can actually maybe try and figure out how it really works. Uh, and I also welcome anybody who's listening who maybe also has a little bit of advice or information. That'd be really cool of you, and I will have the utmost gratitude and thanks uh and you can find that at jack noir draws that's j-a-c-k-n-o-i-r-e-d-r-a-w-s working on a new project to bring up for another upcoming goal working with a lot of really cool people it's gonna be really interesting thank you so much david thank you everybody And guys, you know all of my stuff at just call me DJM, deltajuliamike.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. Let me know what kind of camera you have because the next big Delta Juliet Mike thing uh, is going to require a very good camera. This is not going to be, uh, this is something that is going to be very, very in depth and high quality. Like, Super duper high level. So recommend what kind of camera I should get at just call me DJM. Oh, uh, David, Thank- would you say yes, that Jeff. perhaps perhaps you're going to delve into the field of uh, high quality game rips? No, no. <laughs> um, actually, Jack, uh, uh, because you want you want to talk oversaturated. Jesus, uh, Jack, I, I'm. I'll say that I'm I'm feeling the wrestling bug again. I'm feeling the wrestling bug again. So we'll see how that goes. Until then, thanks for listening to this anime podcast of some sort. And we'll talk to you next time. Sake wishes and pocky dreams. <laughs>